Hello, it's Manveen, bringing you something a little bit different for this Bank Holiday Monday. Redbox is our sister podcast from The Times, featuring the highlights from Matt Chorley's Times radio show. Matt's guest in this episode was Andrew Parsons. You might not know his name, but you definitely know his work. For more than a decade, he was the personal photographer to British Prime Ministers, chronicling life at number 10 with every PM from David Cameron to Rishi Sunak. In this interview, he reveals what it's like to be in the room as political history is being made. And he talks about being the photographer at the rule-breaking lockdown parties. I'll be back as usual tomorrow, but for now, here's Matt Chorley. We've all wanted to be a fly on the wall in those big political moments. My guest today has actually done it. Uh, For more than a decade, Andrew Parsons has been the official photographer for Prime Ministers. He's captured uh, ministers here in the UK and around the world, and occasionally uh, when they've been uh, knocking children over playing sports as well. Andy joins me now. How are you doing? Matt, I'm very well. I'm very well. And you? Yeah, before we we get stuck into you taking pictures of Prime Ministers, we've just realised you you took my photo 18 years ago. All the glorious leaders of the world. And here we are. And here we are. I know, and the fact that we've known each other 18 years. And our paths have crossed a lot in that time, uh, when I've been occasionally training around after politicians. But you always got to go into the, the room that the journalists didn't, the room where we really wanted to be, where the real action was happening. Before we get into the, some of the details of some of the pictures you've taken, because a lot of political photos are men in suits with ties on, sat around a table. So what, what for you makes a great, a great political photo? I mean, you're spot on there. The big challenge is the fact that there's a lot of suits. You've got to try and make that look interesting one way or another, and that's no easy task. Trying to look at two world leaders of any form standing there shaking hands, you know, smiling, trying to look happy towards each other, whether the situation is good or bad, is, is a mean task. And to do that, you're usually looking for the moments that aren't quite so so staged or if for example when they've just met when it breaks down and you're you're there to catch that millisecond afterwards or before in my case I've been very lucky because I've been as you say on the inside so that after the official engagements I would then blend in with with the rest of the team and as part of blending in they forget you're there and and then you'll catch that moment but I've always said I said it a lot especially when I was in Downing Street you don't go fishing you don't catch fish you know you have to sit there and wait and wait and wait so explain then your role. You've been a photographer for a long time. We worked together at the Press Association. And then you'd worked in and around the Conservative Party. But then you went into to number 10 in 2010. There was a bit of a row about it and you came out. But you basically have been in the room for, what, four Prime Ministers? A little bit of Rishi Sunak as well. And yeah, so four and a bit, really, I guess you could say, yeah. So what's your role? Because sometimes those pictures are released and sometimes they aren't. So what, what, when you're in the room and you're taking the photos, what is your role? Your main role and your main focus in, in, as a photographer is that you are there to document what's going on in front of you. So some of it, you know, might be released depending on what the situation is. Some of it might not be so classified, so you can release it. Other stuff will be classified, so you can't. So I'd probably say about maybe 20% of it for social media and the other 80% was for the National Archives. So when you're in government, everything has to be recorded from all the meetings of COVID, the Brexit meetings, Uh, the phone calls to international leaders because you don't quite know what's going to happen on that call it could be a call where they decide all decide to press the button you just don't know so you've got to go in you've got to photograph it and to do that there's a lot of trust 
it's usually you and the Prime Minister in the room, no one else, because the outer team are listening in on different phones elsewhere. So you've got to wait for your moment and you've got to think, right, this might not be that exciting now, but in five years' time, 10 years' time, 20 years' time, this will mean something. And at a time when so much of what's happening in politics is done on WhatsApp or texting, it's not all written down in formal memos and all that sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. So that, that's all that you know, have to fall back on because the nature of the beast now in society is that we don't write letters or send things off to each other. So that, that was the main role and that's what I set out to do with number 10 was to make sure that everything was documented, everything was recorded, everything is catalogued, everything is searchable so that you can find anything. Like in years, not now, but in 10, 20 years time. Tell us about your kit because presumably you want to blend in, you want to be the fly on the wall they forget there. So you don't want loads, like a massive, great big lens. Presumably it's not, you're not click, 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 no, click, no. clicking at the if, corner. If we're going to get You've got that turned off. For the, for the amateurs out there, then um, it's not. Everything's now is like uh, mirrorless, so they don't even make a noise. So therefore they forget you're there instantly because you're not hearing the shutter going off. I was a strong believer in using like what we would call prime lenses, fixed lenses. So there's no zooms. You would make the picture work by moving closer or further away, whichever was there. So very small kit unless you were going on international travels and stuff like that. And I was very lucky in, I've probably been asked to leave the actual Prime Minister's office, probably, you know, I could probably count on one hand four or five times where they've actually said, look, you know, would you mind giving us some space? And what's that, what's the reason for that? Usually it used to happen if they were obviously going to talk to the Queen because we weren't allowed to, to be involved in any of that, or if they might have had a, like a personal issue they wanted to sort out on the phone. Or the last resort would be sort of like if the spooks were involved, because obviously we weren't allowed to see who's who and whatnot. And tell me about then when, do you ever, do you ever have a situation where you take a photo and the Prime Minister turns around and says, right, delete that? Either because they think, oh, I was pulling, I was doing a big yawn then. Hand on heart, I've never been asked to delete one by a Prime Minister. <laughs> that sounds like you have been asked to delete one by someone. Oh, oh no, that's, <laughs> that's, you, that's you with the, as I revert back to fishing again, that's you fishing. Not at all. I haven't been asked to delete a, a picture, no. Looking through some of your archives, I thought the, the, the most striking, there were obviously lots of politicians sitting around tables looking prime ministerial, but the moments of real personal drama were the, the ones that sort of leap out. And the, the two that really contrast, I thought, were there was a set of pictures of David Cameron at his house in Oxfordshire in 2015, when he was waiting for the results to come in. And then Boris Johnson on the night of the election in 2019, that famous photo which everyone would have seen of him punching the air. Yeah, when he realised yeah. that he was going to get that majority. And that is the thing in politics. You, you start the day out with one thing and you just generally don't know which direction it's going to go in, especially at election time. That picture you're talking about, he's actually, he's, he's actually um, writing his letter where he's preparing to resign. Wow. So in fact, so he's sitting on his... He's sort of on his patio with some of his team. He's got a laptop on his lap. Yeah, out in Oxfordshire. And yeah. he's writing his resignation letter because he thinks he's about to lose the election. So it would have been about eight, nine o'clock time in the evening. And then an hour later... But here it is, ten o'clock. And we are saying the Conservatives are the largest party. The exit polls come out and it's literally within an hour. So my, you know, my day has turned in an hour. And that's where I'm coming from, where you start seeing the finish line. And you suppose instead of thinking, well, I'll wait until we get the exit poll, well, you need to be capturing the emotion and the tension and all of that and the run-up to it. Yeah. And so how many pictures would you take in a day? You know, it could be anything. I, I try and take a, not as many as I used to. I used to be, <laughs> I used to get a bit excitable, you know. As I said earlier on, you know, you've got to pace yourself. as well because you've only got to edit it and stuff yeah. like that. It, it could vary. It could vary, you know, to a thousand images a day. If you're out for a 12-hour day sort of thing. Um, yeah, and then 
you've got to be ready for that evening time when, for example, like you talk about with Boris there, jumping for joy, you know, in, in Thatcher's study at, at Downing Street. Uh, and you just think, well, bang, that's it. One moment, it's gone. And, and you've got to be ready for it. You can't recreate it. You can't say, can you do that again? It, it, that is what happens, you know. So in all the, the rooms you've been in, all the moments, has there been a moment where a thing happened and you didn't get your camera out in time? No. <laughs> no, there hasn't been. There hasn't been. And, 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 and is it and because you, you, have to you wait. must have amazing biceps or something? You sit in there constantly, like you're like you're like Penny Morden carrying the sword. Do. There are a lot of the yeah. meetings you do, and you have to you have to sit and wait and wait, and then you, especially in important ones, people will say, "Well, why do you have to do every single meeting?" You know that COVID meeting might have been news that X, Y, and Z was happening, or the Brexit meeting might have been well. Or somebody comes in called. with a bit of paper and all that. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, take uh, you can take the the time. Uh, you know, when nine um, eleven happened, when the the um, the person whispered into George Bush's ear, and he was in a school. You just don't know. And that happened to me when I was. We were at a school. Funny enough, I think it was when the London Bridge terror attack happened. I think. And it flashed up on my watch that something had happened on the bridge. I was in the, was in the classroom with him. There was no aides. This was with Boris at the time. And I was starting to get prepared for someone to come in yeah. and, and, you know, whisper in the ear. Because obviously the situation changed dramatically from then on. I can assure you and assure everyone that anybody involved in this crime, in these attacks, uh, will be hunted down and will be brought to justice. So you're... You're sort of constantly tuned in, or you get a sense of something might be happening, regardless, you know, in a not, not as bad as, as, as the London attacks, but you get a sense that something's brewing. Yeah. You think, hold on, there's something quite not right here, and you work it out from there. Or you, you hear whispers that someone's coming in, you know, it's a Graham Brady. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, well, get your cameras, you know. Um, you know and, and the sheer fact that we've done, we had such a turnaround uh, last year, you couldn't, you couldn't leave it alone, you know. Uh, as a photographer, you don't want to not be there. That's the whole point of it. So you sort of first in, last out for the whole day? Pretty much, yeah. On a days like when there's someone yeah. resigning or something. Yeah, like those three days of when... Boris resigned, were, yeah, were pretty tough going. One of the things, talking about Boris, one of the things looking through your photos that struck me is that he had a lot more fun when he was Mayor of London than when he was Prime Minister. You did all the, you know, playing rugby. I'm sorry. <laughs> going out with guns and all of that sort of stuff. Rather than, there seemed to be quite a lot of him sitting behind desks looking stressed when he was Prime Minister. Um, I don't think his character changed at all. I think, obviously... You know, what with COVID, the position changed as well. I do believe towards the end of his time, we started doing some to getting interesting stuff. Getting out and with about. With grenades Get and that more. that were being thrown. And um, he went to fly a jet somewhere. You know, we, we did a few other entertaining jobs. And when we were internationally, he would do, yeah. he would go and do a few things. You've mentioned COVID. We should probably discuss what's become, if not the most famous, but contentious of your photos. Boris Johnson and the birthday cake which he did or did not eat during the, during the lockdown. Did you, was it just the case that you were just taking photos of everything? Were you ever told, don't take a photo of that because we think this might be breaking the rules? No, because we didn't think we were. Uh, literally, we'd been out on a visit and walked into the cabinet room for the next meeting, which I would have photographed. And, and obviously what happened was, was photographed, you know, which I think as a few, few papers have stated at the time, Prove the fact there wasn't really a party, but um, 
and I think at the time, you know, Boris sort of said that if that had been the case, then I wouldn't have been there anyway. And in terms of being there in the room when all those things are happening, do you get involved in those meetings? Because it wouldn't have been your place necessarily to pipe up and say, I don't think this is in line with the rules. I, mean, I don't, no, I don't, I'm, I don't make any comments in any meetings. Uh, no, no. Um, I, I'm did purely, you eat any birthday there to document it. Did you eat any birthday cake? I never saw the cake. <laughs> but yeah, um, but you know, I, mean, I think it's it's vitally important that we that we still document that the prime minister, you know, of, of, the, of the UK, and 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 long may it continue. Bearing in mind beforehand, there was no photography department, yeah. and it's not about like you just, like you mentioned earlier on about vanities and all that. It's not. It's a it's a done thing now that we should be having this for for the national archives. All that COVID stuff with with. Um, with the scientists and all the meetings that were there, all the stressful calls that were going on. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a valid cause to have one. Um, I should ask you, that, um, I know in the past there's been complaints from some photograph other photographers that you got all the good gigs, partly because you got all the good travel, but it also meant that journalists who wanted to document what happened journalistically weren't always invited in the way they had been before. What's your sort of rationale for that? Hey, look, this job wasn't just given to me. Uh, like they didn't say, oh, they didn't walk out and sit down the street, pick a photographer, any photographer, one will do. Yeah. I've been with these, these guys, uh, well, Boris for 13 years, Cameron now for about t at that time for about 10 years. It was a long job interview, you know? <laughs> and to do that, you have to, put in the, you have to put in the miles. Any other photographer could have done it. They didn't, uh, you know? I don't believe any access was stopped at all, which I know that was claimed at the time. No access was ever stopped, and the visit still happened, the pool system still worked. From your side of things, the scribblers, the caption writers, that was never any... I, I mean, We I got more pictures as to write we, about. that we did before. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we, in some ways, we were, you know, we were keeping your job safe by giving, it, you know, giving, <laughs> giving you pictures giving you to things. write about. Uh, exactly that. And um, in the sense of your access or journalistic access, that, that was obviously... I don't know the story behind that because that's not my department sort of thing. Now, of course, after David Cameron came Theresa May, not renowned for kicking her heels off and relaxing. So I asked Andrew if Theresa May was more difficult to photograph. I was going to say, you say that. A lot of people, I guess a lot of people would say, but I, there are um, a few pictures I've got of her where she's relaxed and has been laughing. I, there was a particular one where she just got in and she was leaning up against a photocopier and was having a giggle and a laugh. And on odd moments like that, she would do. She would relax. And, 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 but you'd, and that's another question where you'd have to be ready. Yeah. Which it's where Because you wouldn't think no, that was the exactly, place that a yeah. moment's going to happen. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't think, oh, hold on. There's no build-up to it. It would just sort of happen. Or she'd see someone that she hadn't seen for ages and was very personable with and would, and would laugh. And she was lovely to work, work with, really, because, because of that, you never really expected anything. Yeah. And then when you did, you got some nice yeah. stuff, you know. And obviously, Boris Johnson was the gift that kept on giving. What about Liz Truss? Because she, to some extent, before she became Prime Minister, she really used photography to sort of shape her image going out and around the world and being very particular about her photo ops and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, being good at the photo op doesn't necessarily make you a good prime minister. No, and it's, from my perspective only, it was very difficult mentally because I'd gone from Boris, who I'd known for so long, who 
we both sort of could read each other and work out each other. I know that, you know, when, when a good time was to leave, when to stay, to, yes, I did know Liz, but you have to learn to read someone again. And to learn to read someone in such a difficult time with, you know, with the death of the Queen and stuff that else that was going on, you, you, you're sort of starting from scratch. Uh, and, and you're right, she, in the Foreign Office, you know, there were, there were a lot of pictures that were taken and good pictures as well. I know that they're. I know that they've been written about in X, Y, and Z format, but they were good pictures. And 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 there weren't too many years ago. The days that we were on PA, for example, we w we wouldn't have been talking about them so much. We'd just been saying they're great pictures, because yeah, yeah. that's all that used to happen in those. That well, style of pictures used to happen. But in. I suppose um, at one point she had more pictures on the on the government Flickr account than every other cabinet minister that's, put together. Uh, very good research. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> And of course, my job was to oversee all of this, even though I. So was she demanding? Was she picking them. up the phone to the photography team and saying, "I want more pictures on the Flickr account"? No, there was never a there was never a Flickr. Ne she wanted, never a Flickr account. But she wa she wanted more pictures. I mean, it got a bit. There was a bit of a joke with the, with other ministers going, you know, <laughs> can can we get on the Flickr account? <laughs> so at which point we you know we would perhaps sort of diversify out a little bit. I mean, there was I mean cabinet ministers. I mean. I, mean, I always used to do cabinet reshuffle, for example, and I used to be standing outside the, the door of the cabinet room because I would go in at the top of the thing, uh, top of the um, appointment, get them being photographed, and the, the joke always used to be, oh, that's good, I'm not being sacked and I'll end up on Flickr. Because <laughs> I was there, so they're being photographed. I would yeah. never do, obviously, anyone that was being sacked. But, but, um, yeah. So if you had your photo taken, that was good yeah, news. Yeah. If I was standing by the cabinet door, the, the, uh, the member of the cabinet would be, would, would, that was always, would always go, phew, that's a relief. Um, Parsons is coming in, we're, we're having, a, you know, I'll get on Flickr and I'll have my picture taken. But yeah, I mean, there was never, put it this way, the, the, the phone wasn't hot with, uh, Liz Truss has got 296 and I've got six on, but I mean, <laughs> and she then was she a foreign secretary, she's one of the busiest... She was travelling a lot, yeah. and that's better pictures. Yeah. And when she becomes Prime Minister then, was she concerned about what you were doing, either to take good photos or to not be in the room? No one's ever sort of said about us not taking good yeah. pictures, because you're at, you are at the top of your game, you know, you're not going to be taking, I don't mean it in any sort of trumpet blown way, but you're not going to be taking rubbishy pictures. But you know, no one ever dictated to us what we should and what we shouldn't do. I never, a lot of people have asked me that over the, over the time. Like, what was your brief? What was your brief? Did you get briefed every day? You must do this, you must do that. I didn't. I used to float around and try and piece it together like a big jigsaw puzzle. What's going to happen today? You know, it, it was too fast in there for any of that. You just blended in. And then what about Rishi Sunak? Because he's a man who, who's carefully cultivated his image as well. You've been in, you obviously photographed him a lot when he was Chancellor. And I think you've been back recently doing some pictures for him. Is he, is he a man who enjoys having his photo taken? Yeah, Rishi is. I've never, never had a problem. Um, it was, it was quite, sometimes quite refreshing to go off with him up into, into his constituency areas and stuff like that. And in fact, for most prime ministers, going off to their constituencies, actually, to be honest, is the best place. Because they just relax. And that's it. They get, you, know, they, you can feel it. But I've never never been directed by any of the people, you, any PMs that you've uh, messaged going, oh, I like it this way, I like it that way. Or, Can't do that again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, man. I know a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're really, they make out they're busy. But they are really busy. They, when you, they see their diary, it is literally bang, 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 bang. There is no time for like, oh, 15 minute lunch break or anything like that. It just doesn't help. Or when they do have a lunch, it's often brought in on a tray, like any old tray, not like, the, um, and it's usually a sandwich from, Pret or somewhere like that, you know, and they're eating it while they're going through the next wandering around, around yeah. sort of thing. It's not 
as laid out as people think it is, and it, it is pretty manic in there. And it, don't get me wrong, in what I did, it was, it's the best photography job in the world. So looking back then, you talked about politicians and presidents and royalty, and you've been to the White House and Iraq, Afghanistan, like all around the world and all around the UK. What's the sort of standout moment for you when you the sort of pinch yourself moment, you think, I can't quite believe I'm in this room or this situation? In the sense of, like you say, in the Afghanistan, I was one of the first to photograph the British troops being ambushed. I remember then I thought, you know, my, I was lucky to get out. We were all quite lucky at that time to get out alive. And I thought then, God, it's going to be hard to sort of beat this. But then I sort of did more and more into politics. And then the whirlwind that it's been in the last few years, you're, like, I literally remember doing David Cameron coming out uh, leaving, being clapped out, tears and everything. And 30 minutes later, Theresa May, I was doing being clapped in. And I was like, gosh, you know, that, that's pretty history that's just been made there. You, do, you know, the same staff, but they're clapping her in 30 minutes later. And then, of course, the changing of the times of, of Boris coming in and after all the years of going around, around the world with him. Um, and then we finally get into number 10 and you're documenting it. I would, for me, I would say the, the Boris years, really, I'd have to, because of the period of time that was invested into it. When you start over, over at City Hall, and then you've got to the big, big black doors, and you think, what a journey, how did this happen? It didn't really sink in at the time. And those three days in July, where obviously, you know, it didn't work out and he had to resign, I remember walking into the room, into the Thatcher study again. Funny enough, where the celebration of the majority happened, and then in the July, um, not so long after, a few years after, we went in about eight o'clock in the morning. The first thing I heard was, where do you want to do this? Do you want to do it in the street or elsewhere? And I was still taking pictures. And then I just knew then. And I was behind my camera and I, and I knew, I was like, that's it, it's done. I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. Those three days, of documenting everything behind the scenes there, I don't think I will ever, I'll ever forget. You know, just the, just the emotion and the and the, and the mentally the headspace that you're in. You forget the photography side of things, and you've got to you've got to keep going because everything you're you're taking from there on in, is is of such historic value that you can't afford emotions to get in the way. You just got to keep going, even when there's people in tears and people you know that you've known for years, and and. You, you just got to block it out and keep going. And it's not until it's probably like a week or so after that you, you sort of sink and let it all, all drop in. So final question then, Andy Parsons. Do you think you'll ever be back in number 10 photographing Prime Minister Boris Johnson again? I knew, I knew uh, that <laughs> you were going to, I knew you'd ask that. Um, hey, I don't, if, I don't know if I will be, I, don't, I never say never. I've sort of got used to life of not, <laughs> photographing politicians so much as I was. Um, you always know when something's brewing because the phone rings and what you're doing the X, Y and Z dates and, and the ca carrot slightly gets dangled, which it did of late, but whether I, whether well, I take the, the carrot. There's a general election coming at some point. Are you free, Andy? 
Um, come out on the road again one last time. Yeah, it's always one last time. Then, <laughs> that, it? It's always one last time. That's the problem. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I never thought I would bounce back between four or four and a bit of them, um, and you kept going. You survived longer than almost anyone else in politics. Well, that's what someone <laughs> someone else did say that I should have been a member of the cabinet because I've been there long, longer than anyone else. But yeah, and I thought well, I don't quite know what it would be, you know? but still. But um, yeah, let's look. Who would have thought everything would have happened in that last year to know where we're going to go to in the, in the, in the future? And I would, today's world, never say never about anything. And that's all we've got time for on today's episode. Do get in touch in all the usual ways. You can email me, matt, at times.radio, or post a review wherever you're listening. But for now, for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.